0: Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hi, um, yeah. As said, I'm Josh. Um, I've been one of the interns here at St George's with the Student Ministry, um, and it's been great to do that. Um, if I don't know you, you're probably lucky enough not to be between 18 and 21. So I'm sorry for that. Um, but yeah, my year as an intern has set me up for life nicely. Um, having finished my year, i decided to stick around in Leeds as a brewer, so um, it served me very well in that. Having spent four years in Leeds, um, doing uni and growing up as an adult, um, I've come to call myself a reluctant evangelist. Now, I'm not reluctant because I don't feel comfortable sharing my faith or I don't feel like it's a thing I can do, I'm more reluctant to use the word evangelist. As I was asked to speak on the theme, real life, real faith, I want to briefly share how I do both. Firstly, I tried to do life to the max. As I came to Leeds, um, I told myself I'd try and live with as many different people as possible. Today, I've lived with 24 different housemates. <laughs> they, they mainly like me, but it's not they don't go off afterwards. Um, as I've shared my life with them, I've struggled with journeying with them and people calling me an evangelist. Now, I'd never explicitly preached to most of them. I'd invite them to church events, but often they were rejected. And that balance felt unnatural. I was reluctant to use the phrase evangelist with this old mindset which saw it as results-based. I saw that evangelist as being a super converter. Now, I'd love to be that person, the person who's baptizing each week, but that's not me, and that is my real life. Now, I know I've started with a long word, a long Christian word, evangelist, and I'm sorry for that. Many in the room may not know, and may be struggling to know what it means likewise. So let me talk through my real life again, so I can flesh out that word. Currently, I live in a three-bed flat in Holbeck. Deliberately chosen that flat, as I had two mates who already lived there. So us five, we share life together, we open up our lives, and open up my life to have their lives shared with me. I take my real faith into this space. I hope to act with goodness and grace, and speak with goodness and grace. In understanding my real faith, I want to share my life with them. And that is why I can call myself an evangelist and be happy with that. Anyway, enough about my life. Let's for a moment unpack the Bible story we've just heard. Funnily, it's um, a less-known Bible study which was also spoken on this morning. So Ellie this morning did a good job on it. I'm going to take a different tangent, but you can check it out both times. Um, So we're going to speed through it in what I call the JMT, the Josh Moore translation. Um, So Abraham is introduced to us two chapters before. He's chosen as the father of what will become the nation in which God hopes to rescue and bless the world. He is living in an ancient world of kings and kingdoms. In this story, five kings, including the king of Sodom, have refused to pay tax to four other kings. The four other kings go to war against the rebel five kings. The biblical author of Genesis wants to ensure that we know that none of these kings are good. For example, the king of Sodom is named Bera, which translates to with evil. Not exactly what a loving parent would call their kid. (laughs) But back to the story. The king of Sodom flees the battle, and his men are taken captive along with all his riches and food. Within the men taken is a man called Lot. He's Abraham's uh, nephew. Abraham takes an army of 318 trained men to go and rescue Lot. They, trek over, um, they chase the four kings down over 100 miles. That's like marching from Leeds to London. Abram defeats the four kings and marches 100 miles back with his nephew Lot and the goods. When they return with evil, the king of Sodom returns the <laughs> story <laughs> along with a new king, King Melchizedek. Now, instantly, an ancient Hebrew reader would spot something about this man, Melchizedek, because his name translates to, My king is righteousness. Melchizedek is also interesting, as he's the first priest named in the Bible. And more interestingly, he's not of the chosen family and line. He's also a king, making him a royal priest. Abram and his army would have been hungry. They would have been thirsty. And Melchizedek blesses them with food. And then affirms Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God most high. From a place of gratitude, Abraham gives him a tenth of what he has. Now the narrative contrasts with my king is righteousness with with evil. With evil comes to be owed a favour. He is seen in Abraham's eyes as wanting as not wanting to bless, but to take. Now, this short story may be new to many of us, and Melchizedek is only in one narrative and only mentioned by a few biblical authors. And it might not seem like much, but we're going to explore it. We're going to walk down the line of priesthood and what it means to be a priest. The Bible paints a large picture of priesthood. What comes to mind when you think of a priest? Tim Mackey of The Bible Project splits the role of the priest into three parts. Firstly a priest is to represent God to the to the people. They embody and show the nature of God to all people. Secondly, priests are to represent the people before God, primarily through incessant prayer and sacrifice. Rounding up the last two points, priests have a role in worship. All they do is directed to God. They look at creation and praise the creator. However, I want to touch on the final role in which priests have, and that is the role to bless. Stephen Cottrell, the Archbishop of York, writes on his, in his book On Priesthood that when we speak blessing, we are asking that God's goodness and God's abundance rests upon and flows within that person. Therefore, to act as a blessing is to bring about God's goodness and God's abundance. As I've read over the story of Melchizedek, I can't get over the role of blessing that he plays. Melchizedek blesses Abraham and his army. It may be simple, but he feeds them. However, he feeds probably over 318 soldiers, and for no reason other than to give glory to God. The narrative shows him as humble and without an ulterior motive, in contrast to with evil, who the narrative placed as wanting to earn a favor. Now, having spoken about priests for ages, you might be thinking, but Josh, you're just a brewer? Like, (laughs) a a, a mere commoner? Um, You clearly can't read well enough to go to vicar school, let alone be a priest. Uh, Yeah, and you'd be correct. Um, Yeah. However, the Bible has a shifting perspective on priests as we go on. As Jesus comes to live on earth, as he shows himself as Lord, as he dies for all humanity, as he raises to life and ascends to heaven, Jesus fulfills so many prophecies, so many promises, and so many covenants. Following the line of priesthood, he comes to, he comes to bring people to God, and he, and he is a way for people to come to God. He comes as God to the people. Throughout this, he is worshipful, he is humble. He does not consider himself equal to the Father. So to follow that line, how does Jesus complete and perfect blessing? Well, in Hebrews 6.20, it says Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. Jesus is a completion of that royal priestly role. The author of Hebrews holds Melchizedek to nearly the highest standing. But he speaks of how Jesus has perfected and gone beyond that role. Once once the priestly role had been perfected, the biblical authors again expand the role, saying that all people are now the priesthood. This is not a curveball, This is a fulfillment of another Old Testament calling. In Exodus 19, verse 6, God says to those who worship him that you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And the New Testament authors reflect on this. In 1 Peter 2, after commenting on how we should view Christ as the center and foundation of the church, Peter calls all people, That's all who have received God's mercy to be a royal priesthood. Now, that's the role that Melchizedek initially played. So, now that Jesus has perfected this role, we are called imitators of this Melchizedek royal priestly role. But what does Peter think it means to be a royal priest? Well, if we keep reading to verse 12, we may find out. Verse 12 reads, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. As I look at my real life, this verse embodies how my real faith looks to serve and bless those I spend my time with. Melchizedek blesses Abraham. He does, he does it humbly, not looking for a favor, but through a priestly calling. He does it to bring about God's goodness and God's abundance. And he does it to glorify God so that all around may know that it was their God who caused Abraham to win the battle. Now, if you wouldn't call yourself Christian, I would love to encourage you to see what I've said as a calling on humanity. As Christians, we believe in the authority of this word and therefore have to take it seriously. However, no no matter what you believe, you can see injustice and you have the opportunity to bless in the midst of it. Like, Do please grab either me, Josh or Eve if you have questions on why we want to live as a blessing. So in view of how Melchizedek acts, how do we fulfill our priestly call in recognizing God's mercy how can we live lives looking to bless those around us whether it's in our workplaces or schools in our homes or social groups how can we practically bring about God's goodness in entering into conversations and being present with people how can we speak God's goodness How can we be generous with our time and our life to bring about God's abundance? I would love to see the church as a body of blessing playing out this Melchizedek role, practically being sacrificial while affirming God's goodness. So how can we be humble and humble ourselves to serve those around us who need it most and affirm those who are at their lowest? As we look at priesthood, I pray that we could have the mindset of a reluctant evangelist, that by taking the opportunity of being a priest in the vision of Peter, to living lives amongst our community so that they may see our good deeds and come to, come to journey to a place of knowing God. How can we live to bring God to the people and the people to God? Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.